Welcome in to the Think Deeper podcast presented by Focus Press. I'm your co-host, Will Harib, joined by the dynamic duo, the brother duo of Jack and Joe Wilkie. Guys, it is the absolute dog days of summer. We're in the middle of August when it comes to uh, sports. There's just not much on. We're all sports guys and just kind of a boring time of year. I mean, I know kids are back in school. Um, that doesn't really, you know, we're not busy with school or anything like that. So, Man, what's been keeping y'all busy? Uh, I know it's birthday month for the Wilkie clan and pretty much all y'all's birthdays are in August, but anything else keeping you guys busy? And what, in my opinion, I, I do think August, probably the most boring month of the year. I don't think there is a month that is, that is worse uh, than August. Maybe that's why our family packed it so full, just so we'd have something to do. You know, the rest of the month, right. you're too busy to get to birthday parties. And <laughs> now it's so. like, well, you got to show up. You know, we're, that's right. we're busy. Yeah, no, that's, Alyssa and I were just talking about it because Nobody's planning vacations like that's done. Kids are back in school. Labor Day is hardly a holiday. So the next big holiday is probably Halloween. Even that's in like, September. And even Labor that's in September. September. Right. And, and there's literally and not a holiday. A limit, like there's nothing big up until and I don't really count Halloween. I know it is one, but like Thanksgiving is the next big thing. So you're just kind of in that stretch of summer. You're still feeling the heat of summer. It's, I was going to say it's been hot for do. two months. So there's nothing yep. new with the seasons. Like, yeah. yeah. August is not, not a yeah. fun month, man. I tell you what, after I die, and I've been president of the United States, emperor of the United States even, then August 14th will be a national holiday. Everybody will enjoy and look forward to <laughs> that. And Jack Wilkie Day. Sure, national sure, Jack yeah. Wilkie Day. Everybody will eat Nashville hot chicken and play hockey. I don't know. Will Will pumpkin spice be outlawed yeah. also? It will. It will. And it, on, yeah. Not a lot on of that day or the day. all the time? I, I'd prefer all the time, but I'd take one day a year. Nice. I'm nice. a generous man emperor. of the people. Man yeah, of the people. How nice, how nice <laughs> right. of you. That's how nice I retain you. powers. I, I let them have their pumpkin spice back on the 15th. There you go. There yeah. you go. So I apologies to anybody if anybody is listening who just absolutely loves the month of August. It's taking some taking some beatings between all of us. But anyway, with that, let's go ahead and get into um, this week's episode. I always try to think of an adjective. It's a challenging episode because it's, in my opinion, it's going to be a message that maybe a lot of people are not super excited to hear about one that, and by that, I mean like anytime you come out and you say, Hey, the church currently does X, Y, and Z very poorly. That's, you know, never fun to hear. You know, we've been criticized before um, about being too negative about kind of always pointing out the things that the church can do better. Again, we tend to look at it as, Hey, we're passionate about the church. We're passionate about passionate about the body of Christ. So we want it to be the best that it can be. So we're going to sometimes look at the things that, hey, we're not doing great. We can do a better job of. And this episode is going to be one of those where we think the Church of Christ overall, you know, kind of nationally speaking, does something pretty poorly. Uh, it's it's not not one of its better traits and something I think that can be improved upon. We're talking about cancel culture. We're talking about cancel culture specifically, obviously, within the church. Um, I'm going to hand it over to Jack here in just a second because – I think he's kind of the the one out of the three of us that really um, pushed this kind of idea within the church. Obviously, cancel culture is a wider societal term referring to, you know, the kind of wokeness, right? The idea that you say one wrong thing, um, maybe an old tweet that somebody tweeted or they misspoke one time, all, all of a sudden they're canceled, you know, fired from their job. Everybody hates them. Everybody pounces on them. Uh, we see that in society. Jack, you've talked a lot about how we see that exact same thing in the church. That's going to be the overall topic for this episode. And so I'm going to pass it off to you as far as kind of introing this topic and introing where we're headed with the episode. Yeah, it's something that uh, I I wrote an article a few years ago said the, the title was The Churches of Christ Invented Cancel Culture. I want to clarify for all the flack I got for that. I don't mean we were the first people to ever do it. It's the phrase, oh, you, you know, you've heard of that. Well, I invented that, you know, like I. I, I'm so familiar with it that I, that it's my thing. We mastered almost. it. Yeah, yeah. Mastered it. And, and so it is something that I remember there was this lady named Justine Sacco was one of the first real big examples of it online. She tweeted some racially insensitive stuff. She was getting on a plane for a business trip to Africa, tweeted some stuff. I think it was before flight Wi-Fi gets on the plane and she's just a nobody, but some people get a hold of this and man, people really got, you got a good feeling about themselves, patting themselves on the back for I'm against this lady and I'm tearing this lady down. I'm ripping into her. And she was trending nationwide. One of the top topics on Twitter. 
And by the time she landed, she had lost her job. She had lost friends. She had, I mean, like all kinds of awful stuff had happened, the consequences. And it's the kind of thing that what she tweeted was insensitive. It was wrong. But think about like before Twitter, before the internet, you could say something that maybe you shouldn't have said. And the people around you would go, oh, that's that's not nice. Now you've got this this megaphone where everybody can dunk on you. Bringing this to the church where I say the church invented this long before the internet, but it's gotten worse with the internet. The church has something of, did you hear what brother so-and-so said or what brother so-and-so believes about this or such and such teaching? And a guy's career can be ruined. He can lose friends. And I've had friends who, you know, it comes out that they believe X, Y, or Z about, you know, certain doctrine. And I mean, we're talking about like third, fourth, fifth level stuff, stuff that the average Christian is never even going to come into contact. We're not talking baptism here. We're not talking baptism. We're not talking about worship practices. We're not talking about any of those things, but just like a minor doctrinal, you know, uh, preference of one thing over another. And literally their own best friends will stop talking to them. I had a thing. I wrote an article one time. It wasn't even anything inflammatory. I didn't even take a doctrinal position. I was just saying, hey, we could do better about this. And I'm sitting in the church office and the church phone rings and I just let it go through. I was working on some stuff and there's a voicemail that comes through that said, I'm so-and-so I'm calling because your preacher, Jack Wilkie wrote this. And I I think you need to review it. And I I think to my memory, they called for me to be fired. Somebody we had never heard of. What did this stuff happen? My goodness. Yeah. Again, like I didn't even take a doctrinal. I I don't know what it was. It was ridiculous. And so there is this practice within the church of like one strike and you're out the treating people like Justine Sacco, not like a brother of, you know, Hey, Apollos, you're a little bit wrong on this. Let's, let's talk and maybe we'll correct you a little bit. It's one strike and you're out. That's horrible. But that, that is cancel culture. And that's why, you know, I use the term we invented it is, We've been doing this for a long time. The the Brotherhood paper write-ups and stuff like that. I remember going through Bear Valley. I always wanted to be a preacher since I was very young. And I remember going to Bear Valley and hearing all the preacher stories. And we grew up in and around the Bear Valley students. So the longer I went, the more stories I heard about the one and done cancel culture type of thing of like the guy wrote something, the guy said something, the guy did something. Um, and once again, nothing ultra doctrinal. Nothing uh, other than people just getting upset. And it was one phone call and the guy's fired and him and his family are out. They're in a uh, parsonage. And so it's like, what are you going to do? You got to go find a job, a house, everything. And you've got two weeks to do it. And it's all because somebody took offense and decided they're going to get canceled. They get a letter from so-and-so, you know, the church gets a letter about him or like exactly what happened with you. There's a phone call that comes ringing and somebody just calls for it. And the amazing thing is, Unfortunately, there's so many times where the elders side with the person that does the phone call. It's like they don't want bad publicity, whatever it is. Like they they want to distance themselves immediately from anybody who takes any stand that is against, really against anybody, which is why I think we have really weak pulpits and why nobody's willing to take on any like legitimate issues. But like you said, yours wasn't even you taking a stand. It's just, I didn't like it. Therefore, I'm going to try to get him fired. Who does that? Who does that? That's horrible. It's very- it's very interesting to me because it's very clear that there are, and we're going to get into this, I guess, towards the end of the episode, there are things that, you know, we should cancel each other for. There are certain issues that, you know, if, if Joe came out here on the podcast next week and said, guys, I've really been thinking about it. I think I'm going to let my wife preach for me next Sunday. We would probably have a serious sit down with Joe. And then if he stuck with it, guess what? He probably wouldn't be on the podcast the next week. You know, Look, that Joe, would... even if the sermon is going to be better, we can't let you do that. <laughs> okay. Oh, Watch it now. My wife writes all my sermons <laughs> for me anyway. What are you talking about? There you go. Oh boy. There you go. Um, but you know what I mean? Like things like that, like, obviously we're not saying that, you know, anything should go. We'll get to that later in the episode. But it's interesting to me on the issues that like y'all have been saying are more, not even secondary, like tertiary, like very, very low on the the totem pole of um, issues, you know, biblical issues. Why is it that people take such, I don't even know what word to use, like glee in kind of pointing the finger at other people, wagging the finger at other people, going, this person believes this, this person says this. So, you know, you know, and just kind of really dogpiling on them. Why is that? And the, the what comes to my mind, at least when I've seen this in the past, is it's almost like a moral high ground thing. Like, you know, we enjoy kind of having that moral high ground of I believe I'm right on this and this person's wrong. Therefore, I 
am almost more holy in a way like it, it because you see that with the more woke side of things, right? Like why does everybody jump on the cancel culture train? It's, it's almost, it's like a virtue signaling thing. It almost is like, it makes them feel better about maybe some things that maybe they don't have right or things that they do in their life that they know deep down aren't right. But man, they can point to this public example of someone who really did something that maybe wasn't great or again, racially insensitive stuff. People have been canceled for all kinds of things, but they can point at that public example and say, look, guys, see, I'm not that. I don't support that. Therefore, I'm better, right? I'm, I'm a better person. They feel better about themselves. Do y'all think that there is some degree of that? I don't think quite near as much, but do you think there is some level of that within the quote unquote church of Christ cancel culture where it's like kind of makes us feel better a little bit when we can point our finger down and kind of look down on other people for maybe something that we think we're right on and we think they're dead wrong on. That's not again, a baptism or anything like that issue. I think there's virtue certainly right. Well, yeah, there's very much a moral high ground thing. And uh, uh, Luke 18, the I thank you, Lord, that I'm not like this man. There, right, there's exactly. there's that temptation yeah. in all of us. But the other side of it is there are the other facet of it that it's a part of it is the tribalism that we have. We all want to be part of something. We want to be part of the, the good guys and not the bad guys. We want to be part of the winning team and not the losing team and and the in group and the out group or whatever distinction you want to draw. And you see this. I remember driving down a street in in a town I used to live in and looking and there was a kid with a phone tripod set up and one of those ring lights and they're out there doing this stupid dance in the middle of the street and you look and it's one of those TikTok things and it's like every time I see somebody doing that it's like look everybody I can do it too I can do the that that viral dance everyone's doing look here's my version see I'm part of it and to me that's so stupid but people look for validation in that and I think when when these pile on things begin of look, I'm one of the good people. I'm I'm with the, the good people. Like when um when Kanye West had his his thing where he started going after the the Jewish people. That was you know he was blaming everything on the Jews and uh, all that. And there were just all these tweets. Like, right, when he said this? like Hitler wasn't that bad of a guy. Or yeah, I mean like, yeah. and he's saying ridiculous stuff. And man, how many millions of people lined up to tweet? Oh, this is horrible. I can't believe it. Like. You know, and I just kind of sarcastically posted, I too you know, am appalled by Kanye. Like, see, I am a good person who, because like, <laughs> duh, we don't need you to say that. But people really feel like, look, I'm on the good team. I'm one of the good guys. And people in the church do that. Like, oh, there's sides here. Let me be on the winning side, the good guy side. And man, it's not that simple. It's just not, uh, you know, the there's a doctrinal dispute. You might be on the side with somebody who's right about one thing, but isn't really a good guy about other things. And so. You end up allied. There's with, a, it's stupid. Sorry. There's a group think component to it. Yeah. Like, you know, what is the majority of people thinking and doing here? Let me side with them. You know, and I, I, I don't want to cast aspersions on all Christians. I, I like, I, I know that there are people who passionately believe certain things. And when somebody contradicts that, they kind of buck up against it. But I do think there's also a lot of people that are kind of like, Hmm, I'm not really sure what to think about this. Let me go and, and check on and see what this person says about it. And whatever they say is what I'll go with. Or let me see and let me investigate and kind of see where the majority crowd lands. And that's who I'll go with. That's a problem. That's that is not good biblical study practice in any way to just, again, kind of go with the group think and, and whoever is whatever, whatever group is largest that's pushing something. Well, that's who I'm going to go with. That's a problem. I'm going to say this to that. And then, Joe, I know we, you, know, you got a, a point here. I've been writing on this on individualism and uh, on, on my Substack uh, that we think we're individualists, but we make our decisions less based on what's the right thing and more of the, the group around me, my peer pressure. What do they want me to believe? What will keep me in good standing with them? And when you see somebody leave that, leave what would be keep them in good standing with the group they're in. A lot of times it's because they found another group that will take them in and they'll be in good standing with them. And so they almost signal to them, hey, I'm, I'm part of you guys now. And they get embraced by that group and they get shunned by that group. And it's a further validation loop of like, see, those people that I just disagreed with, look how they're treating me. That's where it's they're wrong. And it's very dangerous. I mean, like very few decisions are and I'm not trying to be too cynical, but even for myself, this is human nature. You realize the, the Jonathan Heights elephant thing. You make your decisions emotionally and then your brain figures out how to justify it. You make them socially on what is, is going to get me approval, what is going to put me with the good guys, and then we figure out how to justify it. You see this with Peter in Galatians that, you know, he stays on the, the uh, Jewish side and, you know, Paul kind of calls him out. You see this with the Judaizers a lot. 
that there is this cancel culture of like, oh, you guys aren't doing it our way. And the Gnostics have the same thing. This goes all the way back. We see we've seen it in the church from day one where people that aren't doing the right thing, people that are, you know, making an emotional issue and they think that it's grounded in logic. They think it's grounded in scripture. They're willing to cancel and kick everybody else out of the church. So Paul writes a lot in his letters. And as, as you've mentioned, Will, we're going to get to the end of like, there are legitimate aspects of this, but this has been going on for 2000 years and really even longer than that. I mean, you can find Old Testament scriptures about it as well, but you see in the church, there is something. And later on in Galatians, he's going to talk about, I think it's Galatians 5. I had this pulled up, Galatians 5, 15. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Like these things happen. It has been happening for a very long time. The question that I have is like, and I guess this this goes back a little bit on what we're discussing, but I'm always curious how this process gets started. Once it hits a thousand, ten thousand people, like it, it just builds and grows exponentially. Who's the first person that gets to cancel? And I wonder about this in the church, like the level of arrogance I feel like you must have. Because it's never going to a brother. It's never Matthew 18 actually calling him out or, or talking to somebody in sin. Right. It's never that aspect. It's always, you know, you're wrong and not even you're wrong. Sometimes it's just writing a letter about them and sending it out. Sometimes it's calling the church That's... office and trying to get them fired. Like who's who is arrogant enough to think that I'm the bulwark? I'm like the wall between, you know, them and apostasy or whatever else. I just don't understand that. Well, and that's that's what I was going to bring up because let's take my analogy again with Joe letting his wife preach. It seems to me what the again kind of standard practice is it would, would instead of me going to Joe pulling going out to coffee and you say Joe, let's talk about this man. Like, why do you think that that's okay? Here's why it's not okay according to the Bible. What happens in a lot of instances? I tell Jack what you know. Jack, did you hear about da 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 da? And did you hear what Joe's thinking of doing? And then Jack tells somebody else, and then either that or like you said, letters get sent out. Uh, social media, it gets blasted out on social media. Um, phone calls get made to elders or whatever it is before I ever went to Joe. That's the problem. And that's a serious doctrinal disagreement. Like, again, if Joe's trying to have a woman preacher, that's a big deal. That's not a, a, a secondary or a tertiary issue, which is generally what a lot of these issues are are uh, are over are, are smaller details. And again, we never go to the guy or the the individual and sit down and say, hey, let's talk about this. But why do you believe that? I don't think that that's right. Can I hear your perspective? Can I hear your point of view? Even if you come away from that coffee meeting, still vehemently disagreeing with that person and thinking, I, I think that they've got that wrong. Why do people escalate to, again, the social media blast, the letter writing, the the gossip train of where you call your preacher buddies and, and you know, bring it up at the preacher luncheon? Man, did you hear what so-and-so said about, you know, X, Y, Z issue? Joe, I, to, to answer your question, I don't know how it gets to, you know, the level that it gets to where the starting point is. I do know a lot of it could be avoided if Matthew 18 was carried out, which it very rarely is. Here's Here's the worst thing, though is we convince ourselves in canceling somebody else, we convince ourselves of our own holiness. I'm the one. That's my point. That yeah, put, exactly. That put a stop. I mean, exactly what you're saying. Like, that's the worst part is there's such a pompous attitude of like, I'll be the one to stop it. I want to make sure this doesn't spread into the brotherhood. Like, but you're not going to humble yourself enough to go to your brother. You're not going to have the guts to go to your brother and to try to make it right. And, and we have a, another podcast on that. I encourage you to go back and listen to that. But you're not going to do that. You want to be the guy who's going to start this train, who's going to, you know, who's going to get things rolling. And so I think there's just such an air of self-importance with people that want to cancel before they go to somebody else of like, no, no, no. Wait until you listen to me and what I have to say about this, because I'm telling my you, really, really right. hear my statement about it. Like, who are you, man? Who are you? Nobody cares about your statement, but if you can get enough people on your side and enough people that say that's terrible, then all of a sudden you feel like a big shot. You're the one that called out apostasy. You're the one that called out heresy. And it could be on such a minute, ridiculous issue, but you get to feel ultra holy and everybody else sees you as the holy guy that canceled everybody else. I mean, that it's sickening, to be honest with you, that we're willing to divide the church so that we can feel like big shots and calling people out. There's Unless also I'm a, missing it. That's what it seems like. There's an incentive structure of you've proven your worth by doing this. And so, you know, a young guy, that's his way in is I'm the guy who took a stand against this. And then the next guy, and then there's kind of the, the circular back pat thing of everybody, you know, like 
Hey, I'll pat your back. Your, your, oh man, good job, brother. Good job, brother. Good job, brother. You you went out and you you stopped that heresy, and so it it snowballs and gets worse and worse and worse. And there's no brakes on that train to the point where you see, and it's uh, the thing I've joked about before from one of my uh, preaching school instructors was, man, it's getting to the point where I don't think anybody saved me and my wife, and I'm not too sure about her. Like that's because that's that. There's no brakes. Nobody's pure enough because you constantly need to find dragons to fight you constantly need to find monsters to take down and everything becomes one when you need one however one of the things that comes up in these discussions we're not on the outline at all it doesn't matter let's just freewheel here matthew 18 you brought that up though it always is said if the error was public the rebuke should be public and you know people say well Paul opposed Peter publicly. It doesn't say that. It says he opposed him to his face. It doesn't say it was right in front of everybody. Like, you know, it, or that, that it was with everybody. They're in the same place. But it doesn't say, like, he got up and yelled at Peter while he was in the pulpit. I mean, like, they didn't have Facebook back then. Right. So we don't really know what form it took. We do know Priscilla and Aquila took Apollos aside. However, having said that, as, as we said before, I think there is a time in which cancellation of some sort or confrontation or writing somebody out does need to take place. I think there's it's an okay time or place for error to be corrected publicly. And and so the question you have is, you know, somebody would say, uh, you know, the, the, some of the folks we're talking about, their thing is, well, you made the public error, the error publicly, and so we're going to make the confrontation publicly. I think to a degree, that's fine. I don't really have a problem with the, you should have gone to them first thing. Now, if they're out there, they're saying something. If, if again, if Joe gets in po- posts on his own Facebook or blogs an article about, yeah, this is why I think my wife should be preaching. Remember, everybody, this is an example. I'm this is not going to be that metaphor. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> do you know how many people are going to talk to me about this? It's oh, just going to listen. Thanks, guys. Just, just tell them to go talk to Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Boy, do I have a sermon for you or she yeah. will? <laughs> right, right. You preach at him, honey. Um, but the uh, I'm going to keep using it so I don't have to come up with a dozen other metaphors. Okay. But you know, with that one, let's say you wrote an article. I'd have no problem be like, uh, guys, Joe said this. This is wrong. No, and. I don't think that's as bad as like, I don't have a problem with that. I I genuinely don't. Even the people that come after us on stuff, you know, like I would have appreciated uh, a message, but that's what I was going to say. Like, I do think it would be valuable, even if just for clarification purposes, you reach out to Joe, like, so Joe, you wrote this article. You said this, is this really what you meant? And is this what you're implying? Just, I I would like to know. And maybe even a forewarning because I'm about, I'm about to uh, express my, you know, whatever it is like, I'm with I'm with you, I guess, in the sense that that's not a requirement necessarily. I do think in the spirit of Matthew 18, I know it's private versus public, whatever, but in the spirit of it, it wouldn't hurt to to do a little bit of the work up front. But again, to Joe's point, nobody wants to do that because that's uncomfortable. It's way easier to get on your high horse and, you know, in the analogy here and, you know, just write up an article and, and send it out and saying, look what this guy said without ever going to him. That's way easier. That's 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 See, that's, I- that's not difficult at all. Aquila and Priscilla, Apollos was in a public setting. Apollos was preaching wrong. Now, I assume that they allowed him the opportunity to get back up and to to preach correctly, or maybe they addressed it later. His was in a public setting, and they still took him aside privately. So to me, I still think there's an aspect of you need to go to the brother, like you said, Will, if, if for nothing but to clarify the position. Because we didn't wrong... I didn't wrong, quote unquote, anybody in particular by pointing that out. Now, am I in error if that's what I took? Of course I am. But I didn't wrong anybody per se. So I feel like it would be just the brotherly thing to do to engage with me individually and say, what? explain your position, what's going on, and then to either try to win me over where I can then retract my statement or whatever else. But we are keyboard warriors, you know, fire it off and... I don't know. We didn't even get take the time to get to know where somebody's coming from. Some things are clearly wrong, but I still want to know where they're coming from. I, yeah, still I, I think it'd be okay. To, I, like, I think you need to do both. But like, if, if you're at a congregation, your church has a guest speaker or whatever, and he gets up and just teaches blatant error, you kind of need to get up and tell the congregation. Yeah, no, that what you just heard is wrong. And I, I would be okay with that. But then afterwards, yeah, sure. You don't, you don't just like yeah. slam the guy and like, all right, get out of the door. We're not going to talk again. And so, I think there's a personal and a, a public and it depends on how publicly, you know, if a guy comes to you in private, because this is what's happened to some of my friends and the cancel culture thing comes to you in private. And man, I, I've just been studying on this and I'm not sure what to think, even just unsure, uncertainty, you know, a little bit of, ah, OK, I'm not sure about this. I'm questioning X, Y or Z. 
and that gets out publicly. Hey, did you hear that so-and-so question in this doctrine? And it's over. Like uh, his, his friendships are over. His career might be over whatever. No. But if, if somebody is out there saying, oh, I hold to this, there's a famous one denominationally like 10 years ago at this point where uh, Rob Bell, the whole love wins guy, that hell, hell isn't, isn't real. real. Yeah. And God, God didn't punish Jesus on the cross for us. And, you know, all of those ridiculous things he was out there saying. And John Piper just tweeted, farewell, Rob Bell. And people lost their minds. Like, how could you do that? How could you not go to your brother? How could you, you know, who do you think you are? Kind of thing. Like, it's okay for him to be like, yeah, we're not following this guy's teaching anymore. We're not upholding him as a teacher. We don't think anyone should. I don't have a problem with that. And and so I think there is a time and a place for both. I think especially where there is a relationship, you do need to make that connection. And and the the level of publicness needs to be be taken into consideration. Here's the other aspect though. Is this just on doctrinal issues? Or can you can you cancel somebody on a tertiary issue? Can you, you know, let's say you think, hey, that guy's really, really in sin. Then what? What you have in the I think this is a good time to get in on the outline to Romans 14, where we're at. But what we see more often than not is not somebody getting canceled for having a woman get up and preach. At, by the time they do that, they've been canceled 25 times over for every other thing they probably allowed. Like that's sure. way down the line of letting a woman preach. I feel like in terms of going liberal, like you see that way before. Okay. You know, I'm I'm trying to think of like a decent example, but there are examples, you know, a decent example won't get us fired or something. There are examples of in my opinion, smaller issues that, I don't know, it could could potentially get somebody canceled that's not salvational, quote unquote. And we're talking baptism. We're talking, you know, all the, the, the use of instruments and everything else, like the ones that we love to run to. What do we do in those situations? Is it right for somebody to publicly call out somebody else for a tertiary issue? Here's one of these issues that makes this hard is we're, we're calling them tertiary issues. For some people, they're just not. They don't think right. they are. Yeah. And and I think they're I think they're wrong in elevating certain things, too. But there's not like a list of things in the Bible of like, well, there kind of is. But uh, <laughs> of things like this is primary, this is secondary, this is tertiary. Um, and so like there some people really think that I'm going to use an example because we've talked about it on the podcast Christmas. You celebrate really Christmas religiously. You are a heretic, false teacher kind of thing. I, I've said before, I'm not real big on it. I didn't grow up doing it, but it doesn't make you a heretic false teacher to do so. Like that, that's literally what Romans 14 says is somebody's going to elevate one day over another and it's okay. And you need to tolerate each other's opinions. But for somebody, for a lot of people, that's first order, you know, like baptism, worship, and Christmas or, you know, Christmas, one, uh, you know, yeah. This is why I struggle though with immediately firing it off to publicly let everybody know that they're a heretic. It kind of depends on once again, there's some that everybody takes to be that way. But what if you are in a circle where everybody around you thinks Christmas is absolutely wrong to celebrate it religiously? Like you are the worst of the worst if you do. Well, you're surrounded by a bunch of people that are like, we're all on the same page guys, right? I mean, we're, we're looking around here. We're, we're all convinced. Okay. Well, I'm going to fire off a letter to every church this guy has ever associated with and let them know how much he's wrong. Would they be wrong to do it? Yes. Would they be wrong if it was baptism? No, I don't think. I mean, we would say no. Well, where's the line there? That's the difficulty of this entire yeah. discussion is knowing this is why I would say first things first, I think you should go to the brother. I think you should have that discussion with them because what is quote unquote salvational? What is the primary issue that we have to deal with? Uh, I think some of them we would all agree with baptism, women's roles, things like that. I think we would all agree with. But at the same time, it's where you get into the Romans 14 issues here um, that makes this such a difficult thing and really brings about the cancel culture. This is the why we're bringing about this entire discussion is the uh, once again, to, I hate to keep using the term tertiary, but truly like way down the line issues have now gotten people publicly canceled. Things like and, and I know I might get in trouble for mentioning New Heavens, New Earth. I'm not taking a stance on New Heavens, New Earth. I'm not going to say one way or the other. I'm saying that is one of those issues that as you look at it, you go, yeah, people have lost their entire livelihoods over this. Is that really something that somebody should lose their job over and never really get hired at another church for again? Anybody in that vicinity that believes one way or the other on it? No, absolutely not. Now I can say that, but other people are going to be hot fired about it and say, you, this guy is a complete heretic and he's probably going to hell for believing in new heavens, new earth. Let's say, um, you know, believing that, that, that is the case. That's well, where we, determines? 
that's where we get into danger, Joe, to steal your phrase of being heaven's bouncers, of getting to decide, okay, that that is a belief or that is an opinion that gets to send somebody to hell. We don't really get that privilege. I've brought up before when teaching um, at Jackson Temple before, Second Thessalonians chapter 1 very clearly states that there will be a lot of people going to hell, and it's people who, A, don't know God, and who, B, don't obey the gospel. After that, you know, so I guess my point is we can be very confident in saying that. Like, if somebody does not obey the right. gospel, as as we know according to the New Testament, they're not going to be in heaven. Like, I, I don't think it's judgmental to say that. I don't think it is arrogant to say that. I think that is literally following what the text says. Those who don't know God and those who don't, don't obey the gospel, it says that he's going to come back in flaming fire taking vengeance. Like, that's pretty clear. Beyond that, it's difficult, man. Like, I don't personally feel comfortable, again, condemning somebody to hell. We use that phrase a lot, but like condemning somebody to hell on anything after that. And I know, and there that's not to say that we shouldn't take any stance other than have some has somebody obey the gospel and everything else is free game. That's not it at all. But I think we get into very dangerous territory when we start to do the Pharisee and the tax collector thing of I God, I'm really glad I'm not like those people. I'm really glad I'm not like that person. You know, I, I I don't want to be in that position of saying, you know, I I firmly believe that this person is wrong and that that wrong belief, that wrong opinion is going to lead them down the path to hell. Maybe it is, you know, maybe maybe it is. And maybe by my understanding, that's something that is a quote unquote doctrinal salvational issue to take it a step further and and post it on Facebook or to write a letter or to to engage in the vitriol that people engage in. That's to me where it's like there's so many steps to this. It's like first you have to believe that they're on their way to hell, which is a step. Then you have to – the next step would be like, again, getting it out publicly. And then the third step would be getting it out publicly in a very vitriolic fashion. Seems like a lot of people don't hesitate on all three of those steps. And I guess my plea with this point is maybe let's hesitate just a little bit. It's not to say we should never take a stance. Please hear me out. There are things we firmly believe in addition to obeying the gospel we must have right. Still got to be very careful being heaven's bouncers, I would say. Jack, do you have anything to add to that? And I didn't know if you also wanted to get into the what forms it takes because we kind of skipped over that here. Yeah, no, I mean, we kind of got to it. The public spats, the disagreements. I mean, one of the others is the the association game. Oh, well, you went, you yeah. were in a room somewhere. You shopped at Walmart one time and the guy in the next checkout was a heretic. Like, And <laughs> some people will know exactly what we're talking about. Others won't have a clue. If you do, yeah, it, it, it's pretty bad. If you don't, bless you. I, I hope that that continues. This is a stupid game that people play of you were in the same room as so-and-so. Therefore that makes you just as bad as that. I mean, it, it, it is what it is. Um, so those are our different forms that it takes. One thing I want to talk about that I added to the outline after I sent it to you guys is the Matthew seven, two thing of, you know, like you, you have do not judge lest you be judged. And man, we've talked to, to death about how overdone that gets, but Matthew seven, two hits hard. By the standard of measure, you measure to others is how it's going to be measured to you. And so if you're a Mr. Cancel Culture, if you're a Mr. Oh, one step over the line and wham, we're going to slam you down, end your career, take everything away from you. Live by the sword, die by the sword like that. And and this is what you see with cancel culture out in the world of the people who are the biggest bullies, the biggest chasing people down and canceling them. Inevitably, every time something comes out about them. And it, it's their turn to get devoured by it. And they always, there's been a ton of people made money and made a career for themselves coming back going, cancel culture's gone too far. Like, no, I'm sorry, you perpetuated like this. You don't say. Yeah. Right. You are, you got eaten by the tiger that you fed. Okay? Like that, it, it turned on you and then you thought it was a bad idea. There's a lot of preacher folks that do that. That, I mean, were the, 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 the heavens bouncers, the doctrinal pit bulls just chasing people down and, and biting their leg off kind of thing. And then it became their turn. And all of a sudden they became the grace based pit bull and chasing down all the people who don't give grace to other people. I mean, there's a guy out there right now who like is Mr. Grace, Mr. Grace and all oh, these other people like, okay, so uh, somehow on when, when you used to be that guy, you were Mr. Superior to everybody else and Mr. Church police and Mr. Cancel everybody. Then you got canceled. Now you're on the other side. Oh, all these cancel people, they need to be canceled. Like, so you just traded one one cancellation for the other. I mean, like it, and that's what I was talking about, the tribalism. It's really despicable. And it is Matthew 7, yeah. 2 should give us caution of be really careful there. Right. And that does not mean, as we've talked about before, just as Matthew 7, 1 doesn't mean never judge somebody. Matthew 7, 2 also doesn't mean never judge somebody. It means be really careful. 
there's a time and a place to say, I'm sorry, this person should be deplatformed, not to have a pulpit anymore. They're wrong. And, and we got to take a stand against them. That's not every time, but there's not also e- issues that aren't right. right. Not everybody's right. a false teacher. Not every disagreement makes somebody a false teacher or a heretic or, or hellbound or a, what was the one that, that phrase that guy used the other day that was going around the you know, devil loving truth, hating, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Just devil because you disagree with somebody hating. that doesn't make them that enemies of the cross. It was that. Yeah. It was quite a laundry list. I mean, like all of that at <laughs> once, huh, man. Well, that's, well that's it's one I wanna... you better hope you better hope that you are right on every last thing. That's why it's so scary to cancel any. I mean, truly, like it's scary to cancel anybody over anything for any reason. Like there are reasons we're going to get into it. But at the same time, there's such a it can be very, very scary to like realize, man, I want to make sure. And you don't have to be perfect on it. It's like I don't have to to have never looked at with anybody at less to say looking at pornography is wrong. Right. I don't have to be perfect in that way to still be able to call some of those things out at the same time. Yes. The people that are trigger happy, that are just, you know, like boom, boom, boom. They're shooting everybody dead. A quick litmus test would be how many things do you think will send a person straight to hell? Uh, you know, as, as you list it out. And if you got things that are like 50 different things that if this person does it, they deserve to have a letter written about them. Maybe you're part of the problem. Check yourself. Maybe, right. yeah, check yourself. And maybe, you know, this is, you are part of the cancel culture issue well, here. If you have a ton of things that you're willing to cancel people on. I want to bring up, um, and this is, I, I truly believe this. this is not just me uh, gassing Jack up here. Jack, consider it a uh, late uh, day president. Jack's written it. a lot of articles. Jack's written a lot of articles. To me, the one of the best articles he's ever written is one from what was it two three months ago called "The Problem with Fellowship Issues," in which he addressed a lot of the stuff. And one of the points he made, Jack, if it wasn't original to you, just go with it, man, because it was a great point. But one of the points that he made was you've got one side that brags essentially boasts about how inclusive they are. It's you know the the left where it's like we accept everybody, even homosexuals. Like we just love everybody, and they, that that's their calling card. That's what they're bragging and boasting about is that they're they're ultra inclusive. The other side is just as bad because they're boasting and bragging, and their calling card is about how exclusive they are. They're so exclusive of, of a club that basically nobody gets in, but that's their claim to fame. That's what they are hanging their hat on. That is what they, again, are boasting about is how ex- exclusive they are. That's just as wrong. But that's exactly what we're talking about here, Joe, with like you were mentioning with the laundry list of everything you got to fulfill. You know, I've, I've seen these guys that somebody will, uh, they're having somebody to come speak. And my dad has gotten quite a few of these. They'll send them a questionnaire to fill out before they come speak. And it's not just a, do you believe in the plan of salvation? Do you believe that women, you know, whatever we're talking 50, 60 questions worth getting down all the way into little tiny details of like, uh, I'm trying, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I remember reading a few of them and I was like, there's no way that's on the list. Are you serious? But you know, little things that it's like, again, they think that they are the ultimate standard. And that if you get one of these 60 questions wrong, sorry, you can't come speak. That's what we're getting at here is like, how exclusive can you possibly be? That's, that's ridiculous to me. I had a thing. I was invited to speak on a Wednesday night summer series and just, yeah. All right. I'll be there. Great. Give me your topic. I'll be there. They get a hold of me and uh, said, well, we notice you're friends with so-and-so this, one of the ones I mentioned earlier, who's really been canceled a lot of ways. I noticed you're friends with so-and-so, and and so uh, we had some questions about your beliefs on things, and they didn't give me the questionnaire, but what they did do, uh, and it was kind of funny, what I was teaching on was Second Peter, and they say, well, we know that new heaven, new earth thing is going around, and we know where your friend stands on it, and so where do you stand on it? And I'm like, I was just really noncommittal. Like, I don't really get into that debate. I really try and focus on things I think are more pressing, and they said, well, so you're teaching on Second Peter. Are you going to bring that up? I said, there's enough there to get into that. I, I'm a guest speaker at your church. I'm not going to open up that can of worms for you guys to deal with. Not in my interest. It's like, okay, I'll get back to you. I got to call a week later. No, a text. I think the week later, well, I spoke to my elders and we've decided not to have you not because of anything I believed, not because of anything wow. I taught, not because of anything I was going to teach because I was friends with a guy and would not condemn the guy's belief in this other thing. And yeah, well, there's just too much there. I mean, like, that's the levels to which we're talking about with these things. And it's just unhealthy for the church. And and really, this is the question that people like that have to answer is, 
I get not wanting somebody in your pulpit where something might come up. It, it, but again, they had asked me, it wasn't whatever. With my friend that they viewed as the real issue, they still think he's saved. If they don't think he's saved, what are they doing about you his eternal state? Not. Right. Yeah. Right. Like it, it sure right. seems like they don't think that he is. But then it's like, well, why? I mean, it, it, you won't fellowship him, but will you call him hellbound? Will you I mean, like where where do you stand on this? And boy, is it going to get awkward if you get to heaven and be like, well, I treated you like a rank heretic your entire life. And not only wouldn't associate with you, but wouldn't associate with any of your friends because of their association with you. But uh, bygones be bygones, right, buddy? Like you look at everything God has to say about your relationship with your fellow man in the New Testament and how hindrance, how much of a hindrance it can be. What Jesus said in Matthew five of like, if you're going to make a sacrifice and there's an issue with somebody else, put your animal down, go fix that, then come make your sacrifice. What he says in first John, you can't say you love God and hate your brother who you do see because you don't even see God. The, the proof is in the pudding with the people around you. And I mean, there's there's a lot of verses about our interpersonal relationships. God doesn't want a relationship with you if you're going to treat other people like that. I mean, like, he where's takes the, that so seriously. Where's the care for the soul, Right. Where's the care for the soul of the other person rather than, hey, I'm right and you're wrong. Instead, it should be, hey, I care about this person. There's care for the soul. I'd hate to jump into a good discussion here. Uh, we do want to tell you guys about our Devo guides at Focus Press. We know a new new school year starting, new routines are starting up, vacations over, maybe your family's back to your nightly time around the table, whatever it is. And so check out, we've got Will's Family Worship Guide. Highly recommend that. For uh, families, it just sit down, walks you through the text, walks you through questions, songs you can sing, devotionals to God. We have our teen Devo books for uh, girls, which is Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, and the one for boys, which is Prove Yourself a Man, which Joe and Will and I uh, contributed to, along with a couple of other preachers. And so we want to uh, encourage you to check those out. Really start this year as you get back into fall, get back into routine, uh, get yourself, your family, your kids into a good devotional habit. And so uh, check that out at focuspress.org slash shop. It's in our devotional section. There's plenty of resources there, but those we especially think would be good for you and your family as this new school year begins. All right, let's get back to the discussion. Joe, did you have uh, the, the next direction we want to go with this? Seemed like you, uh, you had a thought there. No, no, had a thought, but a diet of loneliness, Swainberger might say. Well, I was, I wanted to bring up because it was a very interesting point, uh, Jack, that you brought up about I do think there are large groups of of people that it, it is kind of the heavens bouncers, right? They, they want to condemn somebody to hell. I do think there are also, like you just brought up, a group of people where it's like, we want the implications of the fact that we think you're going to hell, but we're not really going to to come out and say that. Or yes, we're not really yeah, going to yeah. that's that's what's maddening to me. And it's cowardly. We're not we're not we, gonna go through the hard parts of the application, just the convenient parts of the application. Exactly. And we have seen this not, you know, in the last few months, I'll leave it at that. Um, but just the idea that, like you said, we're going to take our moral high ground stand. We're going to to pull your name from whatever and, and kind of, like you said, do the convenient thing of not really be friends with you all that much, cut you on Facebook, whatever. But we're not actually going to do what the Bible, you know, calls for us to do. If you truly believe that it's a fellowship, disfellowshipable offense, if you truly believe that I'm on a path to hell, I really hope you are going through those steps of again the if, if you think it's a disfellowshipable offense, a lot of people don't do that. It's it's the I'm gonna do what's easy. I'm going to take my moral high ground stand, look around, see what everybody else thinks, side with them, and then we'll just move on like it never happened. You can't have it both ways. You cannot have your cake and eat it too. You cannot sit on the fence if you truly think somebody's on their way to hell because of a belief in a tertiary issue. Got to follow through with it, and people don't in a lot of instances. That's or the where folks I was. that like wait for it to blow over and then come back around. Like, okay, so you don't really believe the things you said about this being, you know, that high level of an issue right. because you change the situation up. Let's say that somebody, that one of the three of us, or or that this podcast came out and said, you know what, we really don't think homosexuality is a sin. That's not something you would give up on in a couple months and be like, oh, I'll go back and start listening to think deeper again. You just wouldn't. You like right. it would be that's it. I'm done with these guys. These other issues, oh man, it's it's you know the the big the big dust up, and I'm gonna take a side on this, and I can't believe they did that. And okay, I, I guess they're all right, guys. I mean, like, come on, that you are betraying to yourself what you really think right. is going on here. So why would they do it? Because the people right. they hang out with, yeah. exactly tribalism. 
the people they hang out with believe one certain way and they don't necessarily believe that or they don't believe it to that deep of a level, but it is better for them to hang out with these people so as to condemn it. And then after that's kind of the dust up has come up, they kind of come back. But this is the point I was getting at before the ad read is where is the care? We talk a big game about, oh, yeah, the, the church is worldwide. And, you know, I got brothers and sisters. It's a family, Joe. It's yeah. a family. It's a family everywhere. You know, I got brothers and sisters in China. I got brothers and sisters all over the nation. And this is great until it comes to one of those brothers or sisters in it, you know, in a different place than you. And they happen to say something and all of a sudden it's no longer a brother or sister that you're supposed to care for, that you're supposed to love, that you're supposed to go to and try to make sure that their soul is right, that they're not condemned to hell. The love that we're to have for one another, they're to know you by your love is out the window. We have, they'll, they, you will be known by your doctrine. They will know you're by your doctrine. That's the church of Christ mantra. If we're really being honest here, that's our mantra is they'll know you by your doctrine. The love portion of going to somebody in love and saying, Hey, this is off. That's not there anymore. It is, I'm right. You're wrong. Tough rocks. And, um, you know, catch you on the flip flippity flip. Like, come on guys. Where's the love and support for your fellow brothers and, and sisters in Christ? So we've talked about this side of it a couple of times. We haven't got into the specifics. There is a time to draw a firm line and say, no, we're not going to allow that. This is an issue. We're going to take a stand against it and and maybe even cut somebody off a of fellowship. Uh, you see Paul do this in the New Testament of uh, he, he names people in first and second Timothy and Titus, you know, Hymenaeus and, and Philetus and Alexander, the coppersmith. And like there, there's there's people that he looks at and he's like, you guys don't hang out with them anymore. Uh, Corinth, he says, the guy that has his, his father's wife withdraw like that that is okay and and so don't you even say eat that, with such a person yeah. right not even eat with such a one and so that is kind of a cancel culture and uh, that's really my thing there's a lot of complaint about cancel culture it's inevitable every society has a cancel culture every society has untouchable taboo issues where they say look if you if you cross this line if you say this if you talk this way we're gonna say no we're gonna draw a line we're not gonna include you in polite society and that's just how it is. And it just, it betrays the values or not betrays, it portrays the values that a, a people has as to what is off limits. There are things that are off limits in America today that you look at and it's like, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's because of the values we have. In fact, it's good things to say, you know, you, you could lose your job for using the right pronouns. You could lose your job for saying, I don't believe homosexuals should be married. That's cancel culture. But on the other hand, there was a time in America where cancel culture was saying, I'm a homosexual and I want to go marry my husband. Like, well, sorry, right. you just you, and I, I think you're better off in that situation where it's that's not really something that's that that's tolerated of. We, we're not going to say that's a good thing. So cancel culture is inevitable. So when it does happen in the church, what should it look? I, I guess the the term cancel culture invokes that self-righteous mob idea. That should never be it in the church, I, I think, right. is the starting point. I want to illustrate or I guess distinguish between y'all remember when and it kind of it gained steam recently, like a couple months ago. But it was real big a couple years ago where somebody received a letter in the congregation from their elders about disfellowshipping and they posted it online and got all these people that were like, you know, how dare they do that? that was great. They have no right. Yada, yada, I was right. here in Tennessee. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't, I don't, I don't remember, remember exactly who it was, but shout out to them. I was, they did right. Right. That, that yeah, that congregation, the, the elders did everything right. But you people, I don't want anybody to to hear us and think, oh, so they're saying like the elders should never, you know, do church discipline or that you know that that's can't. No, that's not what we're talking about. There is obviously a huge difference when somebody is actively living in sin. Yeah, we're gonna cancel you for it. Yeah, right. as an eldership, you should enact church discipline. Yeah, we should follow First Corinthians 5 and not eat with such a person um, if they're claiming to be a Christian. If they're claiming to be a Christian and living with their boyfriend or girlfriend, which is, I think, what it was in that particular scenario with that letter, um, or whatever it is, going out and getting drunk on the weekends, partying, what, whatever it is. Yeah, we're going to cancel you for that because that's something that God's word clearly teaches brothers and sisters in Christ should not be doing. We should not be living with our boyfriend, girlfriend, et cetera. And so... There's a difference between that, which we should cancel for, and what we've been talking about for the majority of this episode, which is not clear, nothing that's clearly stated to be a sin, nothing that is clearly stated of thou shalt believe in new heavens, new earth, or thou shalt not, um, thou shalt celebrate Christmas, thou shalt not, stuff like that that we've discussed, and there's a couple other things we could throw out there. Um, 
there's a world of difference in that. So I did want to clarify and distinguish between those two things because the former very much the, those elders were within their biblical right and, and they should have done what they did. What about you guys? And this is where I'll kick it back to y'all. Cause I've been talking for a second. What about when somebody is teaching something that's not a Christmas issue? That's not a, that, that, what, that would be what we consider the Bible teaches to be a primary issue. What then? Because the other thing that I'll let y'all get into as well is we throw out the the word the phrase false teacher quite a bit. I think there are certainly instances in which somebody needs to be called a false teacher, and there are instances when somebody does not need to be called a false teacher. So I don't know. That's kind of a two part question. I don't know which one y'all wants to take it. But how do how do we do this? I think we have to look at a couple different passages. Philippians one has people who are preaching Christ through their own selfishness for their own selfish gain. Not necessarily good people, but Christ ultimately is proclaimed. And that's what Paul comes around to is like, hey, basically, I may not like it, but Christ is proclaimed. Then you have others that are clearly, and he talks about this a lot in 1st, 2nd Timothy and Titus, of those that are in the entire book of Galatians is a cancel letter, basically, of like, what are you guys doing? And that is so clearly trampling underfoot the sacrifice of Christ to borrow from the Hebrews writer. Like, it's so clearly distorting the gospel, distorting things that are not correct. And I think that has to be called out at every turn. So, yeah, I think to your point, Jack, earlier, somebody gets up at the church and says something, there needs to be a statement of doctrine. This is going back to your um, who let the dogma out on creeds. That idea of what do we believe, what, whether you want to call it a creed or not, we have to have an idea of what we believe in the church and what we think are primary issues and what we're willing to do if somebody's going to go against that. And I think calling these out from the pulpit, regularly discussing these things about here's the beliefs that we hold, here's why we believe them. But I think we need to open the floor for specifically when it comes to doctrine, not sin, not the practical living life, but for the doctrinal discussions, we need to open the floor to have these back and forths because someone ought to be able to disagree on a doctrinal statement and for us to be able to walk it through with them. Maybe not preach it from the pulpit, but we want to be an inviting church in the fact that I will entertain the discussion surrounding something. Doesn't mean I agree with you, but let's open the scriptures. Let's study it. That's what we're to be known for, right? The Bereans, because they heard this and they said, hold on a second. Does that go along with what we know? And so the Bereans were considered noble because they did that more noble. We I- want to be those people, in my opinion. And that's how we ought to handle any matter of doctrine that we differ on. If it's from the pulpit, we we disavow from the pulpit. Otherwise, we want to allow people to speak it without the fear to that canceled. I want to speak to that point, Joe, before Jack gets in here about kind of clearly stating what it is that we believe and what we believe the quote unquote tears are. Um, because you do see that a lot, is there's kind of an unspoken like you know, we don't really know what everybody believes, but hey, as soon as it, it hits the surface, oh, we're going to come down on it. It's like, well, we didn't really know that. Like nobody, that's not really stated. There's a church close to where I live. It's a, a denominational church. And so, of course, don't agree with basically anything that, that they've got as far as where they have these. But I thought it was very interesting on their website. They actually have in their little about us section what they call three doctrinal tiers. The first tier they have, these are the issues that we are prepared to defend. And it's, you know, the top level issues, Jesus, son of God, you know, he died he, and he was resurrected. Like those are stuff we're not going to compromise on. Their second tier is that they say what well, we will humbly dialogue. And then it's a couple other examples. And then their third tier is what we may disagree about, but shouldn't bother us. And they've got things like, you know, church attire and things like that. So obviously I don't align with, with where they rank certain things, but I don't see a problem with, with a congregation putting that on their website. Like, look, here are things we're not going to compromise on. Here are things we'll discuss and we'll 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 humbly dialogue like they had. And then the third level is like you have your opinion, I have mine, and we'll we'll go about our merry way. I don't see a problem with that. And again, I know people get squirrely about that, but that is something that I think would make it a little bit more clear about again, when do we use the term false teacher? When do we use the term false teaching? When do we need to enact church discipline? Sometimes that's not super clear for elders and well, I guess it should be clear. It's it's not clear, I guess I should say, for congregations. Jack, what do you have to add? Yeah, I, I really like that that tiered system. And this is my thing with the creeds is that we all operate that way just kind of subconsciously. Like we all have those rankings of things, but then we act like we don't. So that when somebody writes it down to me, that's that's my vote is just write it down. Write it down so you know what you will fight to the death over and what makes somebody a heretic, you know, false teacher that it won't be tolerated. 
and and it's okay to have that level, but you need to, because as we said earlier, when you don't do that, what you end up with is exactly what Will diagnosed a minute ago, that you pretend that somebody's like that, even when they're not, and, and you kind of apply some of the consequences, but not all of them. You're not going to fully chase it out to where, man, I think this person's hell bound, but you're going to treat them as I'm better than them. And they're, you know, they're, they're not to be fellowshipped or whatever, like, man, pick a side. And, and when you've got that, it helps you pick a side. It, it, well, you don't have to pick. It's, it's spelled out for you. If man, if they hold to this, it's not okay. And this is what we're going to do about it. And, and that really is the issue to me is what we're going to do about it. Uh, a rage mob, you know, online, that, that's not good. And, and that's one of the, the things about this that makes it difficult is so much stuff is put online, writings like, like we do sometimes, um, people's sermons go out online. And so everybody in the church can get a hold of it. And, oh, wow, look at what brother so-and-so said about such and such. Normally, this would be an internally dealt with thing for elders or for church leadership where you don't have elders where the whole church gets a hold of it and you've got somebody calling a church saying, hey, fire this guy. They have no jurisdiction there. Who do they think they are? I mean, what right. what happened about church autonomy? We ever heard of that term? And so, you know, church leadership where I was was just kind of like, yeah, no thanks. You know, we're not we're not taking that call. This is ridiculous. Um, but that worked out well for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, but it's just like, who does that person think they are? Right. As, as Joe brought up earlier, but yeah, I, I don't know where I'm going with that, but so much like it's just exacerbated by the online thing, by by this whole jury of everybody who thinks they have a take on it. And I mean, it's it's hard not to. I mean, you see you see some dumb things go around. You, you see the Rob Bell thing going around. Everybody had to have an opinion on that. There was a Matt Chandler one. He's a big Dallas mega church pastor guy. Had a really stupid video going around the other day, and he was just wrong. I mean, flat out wrong. And everybody was letting him know he was wrong. Um I mean, he put it out there. He he built up a celebrity pastorship, so he's reaping the consequences of it. I don't think everybody's trying to do that. Not everybody's trying to, you know, really put their name out there, but then they end up with their name out there and they're having to defend it to people they've never even met. I don't think that's healthy either. Well, that's what I was going to say. I'm kind of glad. I know we're up against the clock here, but I do think there's a discussion to be had. This is why the synods and, and like the SBC, like the, you know, every other denomination kind of, goes to those that are up above them and we in the church don't that's our claim one of our claims to fame is we're autonomous every church governs itself to your creed point the creed would have to be something that that church comes up with specifically that the elders lay out because a church of christ creed would never work because we are fellowshipping with people we we do have people in the church of christ that believe new heavens new earth one way or the other is a salvational issue they will never agree on what that is so it does need to be congregational that's where in my opinion, cancel culture needs to be somebody in your church. You know what's going on. You know the situation. You know the brother you need to do it. I'm not saying, I again, I'm hearing the disavowing mega guys. There's really nobody in the church that's amazing, in my opinion, that's like, wow, everybody knows. Yes, there are people that everybody knows. Your dad being one of a lot of people know Brad Harab. Everybody be quick to, to have a take on him if he were to have something that was, you know, God forbid, but something that was crazy. Um but I feel like from an eldership perspective, this is where the bounds of autonomy is tested, that we are willing to reach so far. I've never talked to this person in my life, but I will let you know what I think about you. I will let you know that you're going to hell and you're a heretic and everything else, not ever really make it right with your brother. I think we would do much better as I'm thinking about it more and, and bringing in that discussion is very important. I think we would do much better for the most part keep your jurisdiction your jurisdiction keep your congregation your congregation again that doesn't mean you can't have takes I, on things outside the church but that's honestly where i would fall if i were the average so person. i agree with that this is not gonna be popular opinion i think that is incredibly idealistic considering the lectureship society that we live in that's like true. the lectureship circle of and, and yeah, the podcast world to... yeah I mean, the for sure but like, like i guess I guess my point is like the in-person, everybody's at this conference. A lot of people were at that conference. So-and-so didn't get invited. To, you know what I mean? Like the idea of autonomy is is ideally, ideally cancel culture should be squashed by the elders. Like that that should be something that the elders, you know, come on board and say, this is what we believe. And, you know, if if, so, it's, if such and such preacher is, is, is spreading this, the elders should be the ones that decide, okay, is this an issue we need to take further action on? If so, they take further action. I think that that's incredibly idealistic, like Jack said, with podcasts, with social media, 
But again, with sure. the lectureship thing, like that's just such a the the out that's such an outlet for group think. That's such an outlet for everybody's kind of got to be on in line on these areas. And if they're not, and eh, you're kind of you're kind of out of the circle. And so it creates this cancel culture. It creates this these two sides, even if even without elders really ever stepping involved or getting involved, I should say, really stepping in and getting involved. That's kind of a problem. I, I don't and, I don't see a way out of that. But that's 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 a point. And that I know I there are guys. Out. Hymenaeus and Alexander and such. I know there are guys that have their names spread out to the churches, kind of like don't fellowship these guys. So I'm not saying that there can't be. I just but feel you would like, imagine that's for like once again sin issues, like yes, these exactly. People, like Demas, Demas has forsaken him, having loved this present world type of thing. Right. I mean, it's it's clear sin in that situation. I do think from a lectureship point of view, that's probably going to go out if there's a guy that's clearly in sin, he shouldn't be invited to lectureships and such. But the structure and who's over what gets kind of muddies this discussion quite a bit because nobody is over the podcast world. Nobody is over the lectureship world from that level, which is why things like the SBC, I'm not saying we should go out after that clearly, but there's a reason Southern those Baptist things are Convention done. For Southern Baptist Commission. That is, yeah. yeah, exactly. So the, and then of course in the Presbyterian world, there's the synods and things like that where it's, and in the Catholic world, you got your bishops, archbishops, Pope all the way up the top. We don't have any governing. There's almost a case to be made for things like this to have somebody that is governing these things as to who gets included, but then who gets on. I mean, it's a convoluted discussion, like the more you think about how to cancel it. But that's why I say the average person needs, in my opinion, should stay in their lane of who they know. I think my takeaway on this for anybody who's just an average listener and then Jack, I guess I'll hand it to you if you want to wrap it is like. So cheesy, but like take a chill pill on things. Like, don't be the don't be the person who's gonna immediately jump on your keyboard and don't be the person that's immediately gonna, okay, let me let me figure out you know which side to be on. Let me see, let me see which popular preacher I like. What let me see what opinion he has, and then maybe I'll go with that. Like, do your own study, you know, firmly take stances. We're not saying don't take stances as we say it a hundred times, but th- this this urge to bite and devour each other is Galatians 5 that Joe. Who Brian, can I run and tell? Yeah, like who who can I spread this to? Whose throat can I jump down to to really just kind of strangle them with? Hey, you you need to believe this, and I believe this. Like, let's chill on that. Like again, we we don't need to be Mister Go whichever way the wind blows. But I I do see this urge to virtue signal within the church. This urge to come out with a stance and and you know kind of really wag your finger at people who don't believe like you do like you do and. I think grace needs to be extended in a lot of these. I mean, I think Romans 14 needs to be read in a lot of instances and, and really uh, practiced in a lot of instances that it's just not. And so, again, I know a lot of our listeners aren't elders. They're maybe not even preachers. And that would be my takeaway for you, for you if, if you're just, a, you know, neither one of those things and you're listening to this is show some grace, take your stances, believe what you believe, go to your brother, talk about these issues, keep in mind Matthew 7. And I, I think the church as a whole would be a lot better off if those things were followed. I think that's that's a really good good point. Um, I'm going to say one other thing is, you know, there are the obvious things and take stances on the obvious things on the things that are less obvious. If you're not sure, take the Gamaliel position. You know, let's let's let this play out a bit. Let's see where what God does with it. And you know what? If this person that I'm really not sure about and I think, hey, maybe they I disagree with them on this and maybe that makes them a heretic. Give them a little while. See, and and I really think and I feel something I've learned from, from some of these spats, unfortunately we've been dragged into, I've been dragged into is God sees you keep your character above board, let him handle the rest. I mean, we had things where, I mean, just outright blatant slander has been slung at us, me, you, Joe, you know, Will, uh, Brad, uh, other people in my circles. I mean, just from Christian brothers slandering, doing things that just ought not to happen. And it's kind of one of those like, you know what, if before God on the judgment day, I had to answer for being a little bit confused or wrong or off a little bit on a doctrinal issue versus slandering my brother, I'm going to live with being a little bit wrong on this, this tertiary thing. And so when you, I think everybody would agree with that. Like, that's where you want to be. You don't want to be wrong, but if you had to choose between, I tried to tear down a fellow Christian that does not go over well. God is not happy with that. Jesus does not allow his bride to be pulled apart like that and so when that's the case you kind of realize man let's just sit and let, let's look at the fruit let's look at the fruit of this spat and the cancel culture thing the the righteous outrage mob eh, there's not really good fruit there if, if slander's coming out of that if vitriol if if sarcasm and snark and all these things are coming out of it 
okay, you like just just take stock of the whole thing. Again, take a deep breath. Let something play out over a couple of weeks. You're going to have things that you don't even remember after a while. Well, that clearly was not the issue you thought it was. You're going to have things where you realize, you know what? I disagree with them, but that's not as bad as as the outrage in the moment made it out to be. But man, these things happen. We we talk about it with us. It's it. I've had countless friends that it's happened to. It's just something we do to each other. It needs to stop. It's not going to stop because that's human nature. That's how you navigate it is just take a breath, see where things stand in a month. And it gets pretty clear to see what, what's going on. So uh, on top of what Will said, I would add that. And we're going to close right there. Um, we've got, man, we got a fun one next week. It's been in our hopper for a while, but it's taken some time for us to be able to really sit down and research it. And that's evangelical trends of really the last 20, 30 years. There's been a lot of things that have come and gone, things that were boom and bust. And uh, we're going to talk about I Kiss Dating Goodbye. We're going to talk about uh, uh, the emerging emergent church, mega church movement, uh, some of the homeschool stuff. I mean, there's there's just been a lot of things that caught a lot of, of energy and then you don't hear about much anymore. And what, what came of them? What was the fruit of those things? And uh, what was the fallout from some of those things? So I'm pretty excited about that one. I, I think that'll be one that... Uh, cover some interesting topics. So keep an eye out for that. There will be a deep end on this cancel culture one, of course. So focus plus subscribers, get your comments in. We'll be looking for those and plenty of other things going up on focus. Plus we're going to tell you every week, check it out. We really believe in, in the content that's going up there. So focuspress.org slash plus, and we'll talk to you guys next week.